This is your captain speaking. We are currently preparing for takeoff. Sunny skies, no turbulence expected. Our journey should take between 30 and 60 minutes and will consist of you learning everything you need to know about the New York Jets opponent this week. Pauly Brzez will be your pilot, so sit back, relax, and enjoy your journey to this magical destination. Brady's in his last seven passes, and he's got an open Edelman. Look at Edelman break two tackles, and Edelman is home for the touchdown. Brady, a deep throw, and it's intercepted. Picked off in Miami territory by Xavier Howard. Osweiler is buried, and guess who? It's Ryan Kerrigan again. He has been a monster. Live from the Vivid Seat Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME for up to $100 off your first ticket purchase after you download the Vivid Seats mobile app. This is Prepare for Takeoff. Who's with me? Let's go! Come on! Here's your host, Pauly Brzez. Welcome to another episode of Play Like a Jet Presents Prepare for Takeoff. It's your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster, Pauly Brzez. Uh, and after the week one brutal loss for the Jets against the Buffalo Bills, uh, we're going to shift away from that and focus on the uh, week two Monday night football game against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'm going to be joined by film analyst from the Orange and Brown Report, Jake Burns. Uh, Jake, uh, why don't you let some people know uh, who might not be familiar with you, uh, you know, what you do uh, for the Orange and Brown Report. Yeah, so I'm basically our film correspondent guy. I do all the analysis. Um, I do uh, pretty much anything X's and O's related and then sort of, uh, you know, anything that's understanding scheme on the field, off the field, and then a little bit of uh, column-based stuff too. But yeah, so I do all X and O stuff, explaining the game, and then I, I try to, to dabble in some other um, endeavors with, uh, you know, doing some column writing and think pieces, things like that. Awesome. Awesome. So we're going to do kind of a crossover thing. Obviously this is the week two episode of prepare for takeoff, but we're also going to, uh, be doing uh, a crossover for, for your podcast as well. Correct. Yeah. So we're going to throw this up on Brown's phone breakdown, uh, give it to my listeners there on blue wire. And, uh, you know, hopefully this will serve as a good preview for both your fans there, uh, in Jets Nation, and then hopefully Browns people here can 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 learn a good bit from this combo too. Awesome, awesome. So, um, you know, obviously uh, the Browns had high expectations going into the season. Obviously, a lot of playoff talk. Some mentioning being you know Super Bowl contenders, which with on paper they they certainly have a high powered offense uh, with a defense that's expected to follow suit. Obviously, as we all know, the addition of Odell Beckham Jr. to the offense uh, to join Baker Mayfield and his good friend. Jarvis Landry. Um, obviously, both teams uh, from week one, not the outcomes that both teams were expecting, uh, a 43-13 to loss for the Browns. Uh, the team was a little bit undisciplined, and obviously, uh, you know, Mayfield looked all out of sorts. So uh, what was the biggest issue that day against the Titans uh, in that week one loss? Yeah, I think, like, uh, you know, I th- I th- most people – when these, I hate to use the word super team. It's like a hyped up team. People thought the Browns could be really, really good, and I, I still, I still do. Um, but they went into this game, I would say, overzealous, over emotional, and believing that just because their roster on paper looks better, they were going to win this football game. And I think that caught up with them. So the the Titans beautifully used a sort of what I call a cautious aggression type of game plan on both sides of the football, and the Browns played into that. So, obviously, 18 penalties, 186 yards, tells a big part of the story of this game. The Browns were consistently behind the sticks offensively, due large in part to 
their own miscues, their own holding penalties, their own uh, false starts, their own uh, – there's a couple personal fouls, one of which got their starting left tackle, Greg Robinson, thrown out 20 snaps into the game. It was the weirdest game. With, with confidence, I can say it was one of the weirdest football games I, I, I have ever seen. And at the same time, it was 15-13 late into the third quarter. So this football – like the Jets are a very – sorry, the Jets. I know we're talking about Jets. So <laughs> the Titans are a very good football team. They were the worst draw for the Browns in week one. I shouldn't say the Titans. They're good. They're solid. They're, 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 they're a team that always plays to their competition's level, both good and bad. And in the Browns situation where gelling still had to happen, uh, where a lot of this product on the field was the first time as a cohesive unit, they've seen live action because not all 11 were playing both sides of the football during preseason. This was a bad draw, and the Titans sort of – I thought game plan-wise, coaching-wise, used a lot of that uh, in, the, in the right way. They played through the whistle, and that evoked some anger issues from the Browns. They had two more personal foul penalties. Miles Garrett threw an open-hand hit uh, after a play to Delaney Walker, and then I told you about Greg Robinson. But there were two roughing the passer penalties on the Browns, which were just really asinine things to do in the situations that they were, they were given, and they, these guys know they shouldn't do that. And then there were holding penalties – that, that really hurt them offensively too. So they faced eight third and 12 plus situations, or sorry, third and 10 plus situations. And then four of which had a 14 yard or more label on it as well. So they were behind the sticks all day. And in the NFL, you cannot live that way with half of that, let alone eight of them in those situations. But that doesn't, that doesn't take away from a good game from Tennessee, the right game plan to beat the Browns aggression defensively. The Browns just had this emotion at home in front of the crowd and all these expectations, and they wanted to play so hard and so fast and so uh, 100%. And you need some of that to be good, but at the same time, you need to be able to channel that and harness it and play a cerebral game, and they didn't do that. And the Titans took advantage with some screen plays and some max protection shots downfield that worked out for them. But don't get it wrong. I mean, I know Baker Mayfield, it says he has three interceptions. And while that's true, he was a 91 grade through three quarters. He played three really good quarters of football. Was it 22 of 29 for 270 and a touchdown going into the fourth quarter? He was overcoming. They lost. So I mentioned they lost Greg Robinson. He overcame the issues of uh, Greg Robinson going out. Then they lose their swing tackle who comes in to play left tackle, Kendall Lamb. Uh, is, is rolled up on, on, a, on a sack. So they had to play a, a guy named Justin McCray, who they just brought over from Green Bay. They had to play him at, at right tackle and slide Chris Hubbard, who struggled all day over to left tackle. So it was a makeshift line. May, Mayfield played pretty well, uh, but the fourth quarter he missed a throw to Odell. He was late, and it was inaccurate on a, on a glance route, and it was picked off. And then from there, it was all of a sudden the score went to 29-13 with 10 minutes left, and it just it felt like a losing cause, and there were a couple of late, just weird interceptions that I just think the probability of the things and Mayfield's pressing and I'm not making excuses for him. The, the, the last, those three interceptions were bad throws, but given the situation, I just think he was trying to do too much. So I think you would look at that score and see 43, 13 and presume blowout, but it was not a blowout. It was far from a blowout until about 10 minutes left. And then a couple of interceptions, uh, you know, under the eight minute mark and it looks much worse than it is. So you know, Browns fans are expecting a regression to the mean. They're expecting less penalties because you just don't see that many penalties. The most penalties the Browns have had in the game since 1954, which is just preposterous to think about. And they obviously are going to expect a little bit better line play as they get everybody back into those positions and they have their five guys back together. So there's reasons for optimism. The defense played pretty well, too, considering just a couple, 
um, you know, a couple unfortunate plays that put them in bad spots, and all of a sudden the game looks worse than it is. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. You mentioned some of Baker's struggles and obviously, you know, the positives uh, and in the negatives, um, obviously the turnovers that he had, but he also injured his hand. Um, and I, I've been following the injury report, uh, and it looks like uh, it, it doesn't seem to be anything serious, and it looks like he should be ready to go on Monday night, correct? Yeah, I didn't see anything specifically with the hand. I did see him take a shot in the end zone on a safety. He took a hit up under his ribs from the blind side, and I thought that was like a collarbone thing. I don't know where the hand comes from. That must have been late, uh, but I don't think it's very serious. He practiced right away. Speaking from experience, you know, if you hurt your hand as a quarterback, if it's swollen, like I've had that, I've thrown, I've hit a helmet, and um, it takes, you know, it could take five days for the swelling to go down. So I I think he wouldn't be practicing very much, and uh, if that were any kind of real issue with the hand-wrist area, I think he's fine. I wouldn't expect there to be anything slowing him down, um, you know, on this side of things for the Browns. Of course. Um, now, you mentioned the defense, and, and they played pretty well into the third quarter. Obviously, uh, the offense kind of got away, and, and that's when the Titans pulled away. Um, the Jets' offensive line last week um, looked out of sorts, obviously, which was uh, expected by most because uh, the Jets' starting offensive line had basically zero time together in the in the offseason during camp uh, and no games, uh, no preseason game snaps with each other. Um, so, obviously, the, it looks like um, – the they had the Browns, I believe they had about four or five sacks uh, on Sunday against the Titans. Um, is is this Jets offensive line ripe for the picking um, for the Browns defense to to be a major factor? Uh, because Darnold did struggle a little bit on Sunday. Obviously, that we've seen completion percentage was up, uh, but not many shots downfield, uh, and I think that was due to you know him not having as much time, which which kind of put him off balance. He had poor footwork. It kind of messed with his mechanics and. And he made some bad throws. So, um, you know, how do you think that this defensive line is going to affect uh, the offensive line and, and Darnold just like maybe the Bills did on Sunday? Well, I, I think that would be a better question for you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can tell you I think they're going to let these front four get after it. I don't think they're going to blitz a ton. I know I talked to Eric Turner, cover one, who does Buffalo content, and he, he talked about they did a lot of blitzing. Buffalo did and sort of took away the quick answer that Sam Darnold would have off that blitz and sort of trapped him, trap coveraged him in. So 
I think the Browns will probably try to let their front four play. How the Jets handle it, I'm not, I'm not well-versed in what their offensive line looks like. I'm looking at their defense currently. Uh, I do know that people I talk to or come across are not very, uh, you know, I should say they're not very fond of what the Jets have up front. But that's, I guess, a better question for you. I, I think the Browns will try to continue to go after it. If, if, they, if they look at what Tennessee did, though, that's the remedy, which is, which is sort of play uh, tight splits, give help to, to whoever Miles Garrett's over, give help, help that the tight splits take advantage of passing along and helping out block Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogunjobi and then Olivier Vernon. You're just going to have to swallow that pill and let them go one-on-one often. But I don't know. Do you think the Jets, you know, offensive line is capable handling the Browns front four independently? I, I honestly, unfortunately for the Jets' sake, I do not. Um, the right side is very weak. Uh, Brandon Shell and Winters on the right side, uh, we're a mess on Sunday. Um, you know, the center position, obviously, we know what K- Khalil is capable of, uh, but he even said himself that a lot of the communication issues were his fault. Um, they did look out of sorts. Uh, there were some times where Sam finally had time and he did get into a rhythm, uh, but there was more times. Uh, there was times where Winners was, was thrown on the floor uh, and Shell was just out of sorts. So the right side really worries me. Obviously, we know with Osemele on the left side, uh, as well as Beecham, they're solid. Uh, but unless the right side can figure it out, I, I think that's where you're going to see Garrett lining up. And, and again, if, if Khalil still isn't feeling comfortable with communications, that, that opens up things for guys like Sheldon Richardson, who is a former Jet, and he might be looking to play with some extra juice because he's back in MetLife Stadium. He used to call himself the MetLife Monster, and you know I, I think this defensive line is going to pose a trouble for the offensive line. But then again, maybe finally a game, they kind of saw some film, maybe they can gel and get things together for week two. Um, but I'm not so certain of that. It, it was a concern. Obviously, our secondary is a big concern when it comes to the cornerbacks. That's our, our biggest weakness on the team, and I think that's where this game is going to be won and lost for the most part. Uh, but, but, the, but the offensive line is right there for me because that's going to keep Darnold out of his rhythm. Um, you know, we didn't see a lot of play calls um, for Darnold, which is, you know, his strength is being able to be on the run and, and make those throws and, um, you know, those, those organized chaos throws where he's all over the place and then, you know, he makes something happen and there's a guy open and he delivers. Um, I don't know if that was, was specific from Gates because he wasn't sure what the offensive line was going to provide in week one or if that's a sign of things to come, which a lot of us are, are worried about and unhappy about because, you know, if, if they're not playing to Donald's strength, then this team is not going to be successful offensively. So that right side of that offensive line is my biggest concern on offense. And then, like I just said, with the cornerbacks, um, Tremaine Johnson was terrible on Sunday. Um, Daryl Roberts was not far behind. Uh, Poole, our, our, our nickel guy, you know, he played solid. But our main corners right now on the outside are a big concern. And when you've got Beckham to worry about and you've got Landry to worry about and you've got Njoku to worry about and even Higgins, um, who's somebody um, – Cole Beasley had a decent day as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm really worried about – the Jets being able to if, – if their offense gets going, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with the Browns because I'm really worried in what their their secondary can do because Baker Mayfield is better than Josh Allen, whether Baker had a bad game last week or not. That's just, that's just the facts. It's proven last year. I know that it's going to be proven this year. Um, so that's my biggest concern is, is, is can this secondary and this – our safeties with obviously Jamal and Marcus May are studs. We know that. But it's the corners that – going into the season we knew was going to be bad and it was even worse than we expected on Sunday. 
Yeah, I would say that the Browns will attack that offensive line, I would imagine. So they, they, they played Tennessee heavy box. They, they thought Tennessee was going to run like crazy and establish the run and then sort of take the, take the air out of the stadium and, and the time off the clock. And they loaded the box, and they gave a ton of one-on-one situations, and A.J. Brown was able to capitalize. And then late in the game, Delaney Walker sort of snuck out and made some plays too. So I think they're they're probably going to say – Let's see if we can get pressure initially. Let's see if we can get pressure on Sam through our front four organically. If we can't, as the game wears on, we will start to bring extra people. But my initial expectation for Wilkes is to is to, is to sort of um, simulate pressure, uh, walk guys up, put guys sugar the A-gaps, things like that, to make Sam think people are coming, but back out, bail out, and then let the front four eat, let them twist, let them do some different exchanges, or just let them straight up you know, play – gap sound rush lane defense because like you said like Sam uh, is like Baker in a way that they like to occasionally get out of the pocket to throw not to run to throw to make things happen outside the pocket and that chaos structure that those guys like um, because it can you know it can open them they both throw the ball well on the run so I think that the good thing for both of these teams probably is they have quarterbacks who play in a similar fashion to an extent and they see that in practice all the time so I think the Browns will attack uh, like I said, initially they're just going to try to see if they can, can get home with four and, and drop coverage and, and make Sam beat them down the field with his arm uh, while also hoping that the front four that they're paying good money to can get after, um, you know, get after the, the, the Jets that way. Uh, and then, you know, defensively, I don't know what the Browns are going to do on offense because, and I'm sure that the coaches in, in New York, like Greg Williams knows this team better than anybody, but he's probably going to look at this game film and be a little bit pissed off because, you know, the Browns sat in 11 personnel, 90, 92, 93, 94% of the time, and they, they were so far behind the sticks because of those weird penalty situations or whatever that you couldn't get a feel for what they really wanted to do offensively all day. And I think that that is something that's probably going to bother uh, Greg a little bit because it's still a lot left in the Browns sort of bag of tricks for what they want to be or who they want to be offensively. So I do think, you know, watching that Buffalo film, Greg Williams still does a lot of the same things in coverage. He still plays cover two where he plays, you know, two walked up outside corners and he'll put two deep safeties. Or if he's playing cover one man free stuff, he, he will still have the safety lined up 20, 25 yards off the ball. Mm-hmm. And he does all of those predictable things. Baker saw it all in practice last year and to an extent, uh, you know, at least in camp and stuff. You know, when the season starts, you do more team-based scout team type stuff. But he saw a lot of it. Those, these guys know each other well. So it's going to be who can kind of counter their tendencies and uh, and take advantage of things. But I expect Greg to throw the kitchen sink at him. I expect him to throw some different exotic blitzes at, at Baker and try to confuse him, try to confuse the offensive line. But I do think, like, if I'm just looking at this on paper, up front, I, I don't certainly don't see – and this is no disrespect, and I don't want Jets fans to think I'm saying this in a disrespectful manner. Oh, but no, I don't Jets, see anyone Jets the level. Fans don't overreact at all. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see anybody the level of Cam Wake who's going to give them fits off the edge. Now, Quentin Williams oh, is a hell of an interior player. That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah, but I know Quentin's dealing with an ankle, so you know the Brown strength of their offensive line is the interior. So how they manage that'll be interesting to see. Linebacker wise. You know, the good thing for the for the Jets is that they can handle linebacker issues to an extent in pass coverage because you have two stellar safeties who you can lock on and do some things with and have fun there. But, if I, I mean, I know that I don't think C.J. practiced today. He's still dealing with the groin, right? Yeah, he, he did not practice today. Again, 
Uh, but Gase does seem confident that he's going to be able to play on Monday night. So, I mean, we'll Good. see how that goes. Obviously, once we get to Friday, and, and usually if a guy's missing practice on Friday, that usually means he's not going to play on Sunday. Uh, but Gase's confidence seems to be remaining um, that Mosley will likely be out, out there. And he even mentioned the same for Quinnen, which is, which is kind of interesting too because obviously he did leave in the walking boot, uh, but they mm-hmm. didn't mention that it was a sprain. They didn't say what level. So they sound like they're both going to be ready to go, but obviously we won't really know until we get those inactives on Monday. Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, I was impressed with Neville Hewitt. I thought he played his butt off, had that interception on the tip, and he was all over the backfield too. I, I think he's going to be a good player just sort of the snippets I've seen. But the Browns have to look at this and say, hey, man, you know, we got Odell Beckham for these, these types of games where he can, he can play a player like Tremaine and have an advantage. And then you have uh, Jarvis Landry playing Brian Poole in the slot. you got to think that that's an advantage based on sheer ability that Jarvis can take advantage of things. And then Daryl Roberts, you said the corners didn't play well. I think I'm giving you a Browns perspective on things. And I think that they're going to look at this with Higgins and this group and think that we can take advantage of, of, uh, of things on paper. Does paper mean anything? No, but I know the Browns are going to go into this game looking at this as a pseudo Super Bowl in terms of they have to win this football game uh, because next three weeks are really challenging. They welcome in the Rams on Sunday night football the following week on a short week, and then they uh, travel to Baltimore, which will be a test as it always is because Baltimore is a very good football team and they just well coached. And then they go all the way on the West Coast for a Monday night game in San Francisco. So I would imagine um, the Browns coaching staff looked at this thing. They flipped the coin and said, maybe we win week one, maybe we don't, but we got to get week two because these next, you know, the Browns go 0 and 2. You welcome in the Rams, you're 0 and 3. If that were going to, you know, all of a sudden you're looking at a really bad start and uh, they don't want that. So they know they got to combat this really tough first five weeks and they're going to look at this game and they're going to throw everything they have at it. And I think, as weird as it sounds, um, the Browns would obviously have preferred to win week one. But they didn't, and, and, and but the good thing for them is that they didn't put much on film offensively or even defensively that they're going to do to teams who aren't in the situation Tennessee is in. When Tennessee was dealing with Taylor Luan being hurt, their left tackle, they were missing their right guard. So they brought a really weird offensive, very protected offensive game plan to Cleveland. And then, like I said, the Browns were so far behind the sticks so often offensively that I just don't think you got a feel for how they really want to sequence things, you know, first and ten, second and six third and two, those sorts of situations, second and two, second and three, what they're going to do in those situations. So um, it could work both ways. It could, it could be the Browns just aren't as good as we think they are. They're going to be, continue to be this undisciplined football team, and um, they're just completely overhyped. Or it's a team that was just caught off guard week one, and they have a lot of, uh, they have a lot of you know, sort of things brewing behind the scenes that's ready to take off when they play a, a normal football game that isn't affected by – a ludicrous amount of penalties and, um, you know, uh, affected by ejections and things of that nature. So this game to me is infinitely more interesting than week one from a Browns perspective because it's going to paint a pretty clear you know, picture for both of these teams. And I think the Jets obviously got settled into a little bit of who they are. Unfortunate they lost that game. I thought they were going to win it there, especially just watching the film. They felt in control of it you know, creating four turnovers, but it just didn't seem like they got enough going offensively to sustain um, the second half, putting up the points like they needed to. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint 
unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. The frustrating thing is, is, is I meant to look into it and never got to it. I mean, it's very rare. I, it has to be. I mean, there, it may not have happened ever before in a football game before that a team forces four turnovers, uh, has a pick six, and has a safety and loses the football game. Um, it was very frustrating when they were up 16 to nothing late into the third quarter. Um, I actually turned to everybody who was with me at my house and I said, they're losing this game 17 to six. I just, as a Jets fan, you've seen so many things happen. Uh, and so many things went against them. Once CJ Mosley went out, uh, the defense looked totally different. Um, and Look, that's- I'm telling you, that is such a feeling that we can relate to, mm-hmm. both of us. Because I'll tell you what, a quick tangent, I'll let you jump back in. The Browns were up 20 to nothing on Baltimore three years ago, maybe even four years ago. I think it was three years ago. They went up 20 to nothing right away. They had a PAT blocked and returned for two points, and the entire stadium was defeated. I'm telling you, you would have thought that Baltimore just scored 30 points on one play. Baltimore comes back and, of course, wins that football game 23-21 or something like 26-21. But that's the feeling you get when you're sort of a Murphy's Law fan base, which I think the Browns and Jets mutually are. There's probably some others that get sprinkled into this, but it just feels like the minute anything can go wrong, you just know where the game is heading. And I think that that's – it's really hard to defeat because in First Energy Stadium Sunday – when anything went wrong, when the first – the Browns went down the field and scored so effortlessly, scored an eight-play – seven-play, 73 yards, something silly like that. It looked great. They missed the PAT, and you could just sense it. You can feel it. It's a tangible feeling in the stadium of 70,000 people thinking, here we go again, and it's overwhelming. I think you probably experienced that a lot too. Oh, a- absolutely. Like I said, um, with Vedvik, he missed the extra point uh, after the pick six, and then he missed a field goal. Uh, later in the game, which obviously we lost 17 to 16. That's four points we left on the board. Obviously, that's the difference in the game. Obviously, there was other factors in the game. But when you leave four points on the field and you lose by one, obviously, you should have won that game. Um, you know, so obviously, Vedvik isn't kicking anymore. Sam Ficken will be the new kicker. Um, we've obviously added Demarius Thomas, who um, Gates said will be playing on Monday night, which we he'll be replacing Quincy Inunua who was not a factor on Sunday, comes to find out he has the neck injury, which is going to end his season. Um, So, you know, a lot of moving parts for the Jets on offense. So it's going to be kind of hard to predict what the offense is going to do. Obviously, we know what the plan is and how Gase operates. But with with plugging in Demarius Thomas now and trying to get Robbie Anderson going, um, we saw that (laughs) um, Jameson Carter last week um, had 14 receptions on 17 targets for 99 yards. So, it's, he seems to be the new Jarvis Landry for Gase. Um, uh, I did say he was going to lead the Jets in target uh, in receptions this year, which looks like it's going to be the case. So, um, you know, yeah, seventeen Gase, targets is wild, man. Yes, yeah, that's, that's so, something it, it, the Browns it, ought to focus on. Yeah, for sure, and it's going to be interesting to see how Gase utilizes and and how many targets even Demarius Thomas gets because he's got to come in and play immediately. So, you know, Monday night is going to be interesting because, I, like you mentioned, Greg Williams, it's kind of a revenge game from hit for him. Um, you know, whether he would like to admit it or not, he, we know he thought he should have gotten that job and he didn't. And everybody knows how Greg Williams is. So it's going to be interesting. Like you said, he didn't get enough on film that he's going to like because the Browns were behind the sticks a lot. So 
it's going to be very interesting to see how, how Greg comes after Baker. Um, because also, like you said, you know, we don't have a pass rush. Um, you know, Leonard Williams gets back there a lot, but, um, you know, QB hurries is, is the stat that everybody seems to love now. Um, to me, sex, that, that's, that's where you disrupt the quarterback. I understand, you know, the hurries, it, it forces an errant throw, um, you know, and, and things like that. But if you're not consistently getting in the backfield and, and sacking the quarterback, at least, uh, you're giving them far too much time to, to, to make an impact on the game. Um, and I don't trust our line yet because I didn't see it last week. They did, they did get after Allen a little bit, forced a fumble. Um, but it, it's not something that you're, you're looking at this Jets front and saying, okay, yes, they're coming and Baker needs to be worried because I just don't believe that's the case. Yeah, I think this game will boil down to how, they, how each group's offensive line plays. If, if one quarterback has a, you know, an offensive line or a structure within the scheme that is keeping protection safe, giving him enough time to process and develop, uh, I think that that'll swing things. If, if the Browns have another tackle performance like their two had week one, I think it'll be a massive advantage for the Jets, and mistakes can obviously happen. And then it's really how the Jets' entire offensive line handles, handles the Browns' defensive line, who I think will come out very hungry to, to, uh, to, to get pressure on Sam. So it should be fascinating, man. It'll be a good game, and it's, it'll be prime time. My hope is just that, you know, Browns had week one with Nance and Romo and a lot of anticipation, and it was the worst – live football game I've seen in a long time. When you have between the two teams 28 penalties, it just feels like every snap is a penalty. And it's it's every snap that even Nance commented on and said, guess what, we have another penalty. You could just tell it wore everybody out. So my hope is, you know, it's Monday night football. I know that the, the Thursday night game didn't work out for the Jets last year, but it was good theater. It was a good football game at its core. And I think that uh, I think that this one, at least I hope this one, will be in that similar sort of fashion. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the off season, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them. Keep up with all the transfers in college basketball and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. This is two teams, obviously, the Browns with a little bit higher expectations for for playoffs. Uh, A lot of people have predicted that the Jets could get an extra wild card with winning nine, possibly ten games. I never saw that at the beginning of the year. I thought that they would be competing, but I didn't think that they were a playoff team. But now it it, it is week two, but it's a must win for both teams. I mean, the first six games for the Jets are very difficult. Um, If they don't get a win this week, they could be looking at 0-6 at one point. So um, it's an important game for them to try to get off the snide and kind of head in a direction where they believe they can go. And then you've got the Browns, um, you know, who are a team that that you've said, obviously the next three games are tough for them. So it's an early must-win game for, for two teams. Who, who who are snake-bitten franchises, who are looking to finally turn things around, who seem to have their quarterbacks. Um, one thing I did want to touch on as well before we started to wrap things up is that um, I don't know if you've noticed it on your end, but as a Jets fan, on my end, on Jets Twitter, I've noticed that there's, there's just a, a weird type of hatred um, for any time Sam Darnold gets some praise and people don't mention Baker Mayfield. I know a lot of Browns fans are sensitive when, when people get praise over Baker, and, and I've noticed it. So I just wanted to, uh, your, your take on that, if that's something you've noticed. Yeah, the fan base is super sensitive about Baker no matter what. They have, you know, they have um, 
this this thing about this guy hasn't played a full year of 16 football games in terms of 16 games in his career. I think he's going to be good. I think there's proof on tape that he could be good, but you know, quarterback progress isn't linear and, and, and you never know how it's going to go. It could be filled with, you know, with an ubiquitous amount of ups and downs and, and week one sort of prove that the good can come with the bad, you know, three quarters of great, but one quarter of terrible and it just looks bad. And it, the perception of it's a terrible game and rightfully so. I think Brown's Twitter is protective of him. Uh, they, they think the world of him because they just want, they just have been so desperate for a quarterback for so long. And uh, I, I, I'm to be honest, Brown's Twitter and the fan base doesn't compare Baker to the rookie class. They think he's just above everybody. Uh, they they have, they compare him to the likes of Watson and trying to think he's better than Wentz, and uh, that stuff's not there yet for me. And I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be fantastic, continue to improve, but he has to steadily show he is at that tier and he's not there yet. I, I saw the write-up about Gase wanting uh, Mayfield over, over, over Darnold, and, uh, you know, I – these guys should just worry, and I'm sure these two do. It's just the fan bases should just worry about their guy, and but it's hard. They're all in the same class, so like if you see Mayfield doing well, you're like, we want Sam to be at that level, and I, I get it. I, I certainly get it. It's just it's it's this sort of complexion that everybody has uh, about about Sam, and I think Sam his last three weeks were so fun to me. I, I was fine personally with if they would have taken Darnold. I actually was pretty convinced. I was a Baker guy before anybody else was a Baker guy. Like early October of that of that draft season I was all in but I got to the point that I really believed they were taking Sam and I was fine with it because I understood the thought process behind it and uh, I still think Sam will be a good quarterback I graded him really highly and uh, I, I think that eventually down the road as these things sort of level out it'll be it'll be Baker and Darnold and end up being the two best from this class play like a jet play like a jet when it came to the quarterbacks I had I had accepted long that that Darnold was going one so um, it was down to obviously Baker and Rosen for me. I loved Baker, didn't think he would be good for New York, so I completely talked myself into Rosen. And then draft day came and, and everything changed. So, um, like I said, it's very weird to see like there's Jets fans arguing with Browns fans, and I'm like, I love Baker, I love Darnold. They both can be good; they don't affect each other. It's and everybody's like, well, it's a rivalry now. It's like they played once, it's, and they've never played in the playoffs, so. It's just a really weird dynamic that's been formulated over the last year and a half, and it's just, it's kind of fun to watch because it, it's just it's weird to me. It is it is weird. It'll never stop. Everybody's protective over their quarterback, and they want to believe their quarterback is better than other. It's just it's this weird dynamic of 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 protective. This is our guy, and we're going to stand and support our. You got to look at it objectively, man. You can't you can't slant everything you have toward your guy and just uh, respect you know respect guy's game, man. That that's that's what it is. That's why I was so happy to see Sam put together that end of the year last year because he's a baller and I think he's going to continue to ball. So you know, I hope I hope both guys go for three fifty and four touchdowns. I just hope the the Jets miss one of their extra points and the Browns win by a point. <laughs> Don't wish that evil on me. So <laughs> let's let's uh, on that note, let's wrap everything up. Um, give me your prediction for uh, for the game final score and how things are going to factor out. I'm going to go 31-17 Browns. I think the Browns find a way to put up a good number of points. Um, I, I think the Jets jump out early, though. I think the Jets jump out maybe 17 or sorry, maybe seven to ten, nothing, uh, something along those lines. But the Browns just sort of wear them down, wear their depth down. Nick Chubb's going to have an important role in this game. He ran 17 times, 75 yards, but they did not commit to him when they needed to. And a lot of those, I'd say 25 of those yards came late cheap. 
I think they're going to really try to run the football and, and then sort of take some shots downfield off of that because they didn't take any shots downfield really last week. So I expect that sort of approach, and I think it'll work for the Browns, and I think they're going to I think they're going to win, uh, and that's that's no bias. That's just looking on paper. I called them to lose last week on some publications as the game got close. So um, you know, I just I just think the Browns are going to treat this like like the, the 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 massive event that it needs to be for them, and I think they're going to respond pretty well to it. I, I unfortunately agree. Um, you know, and, and things are starting to go downhill for the Jets quickly. Um, you, the media is going after the coach. Uh, typical New York stuff, uh, but I do think that the Browns are going to win this game uh, 24-17. Um, I just think that the the cornerback issues are going to become huge, uh, and they're not going to be able to start stop Beckham and, and Landry when the time presents itself. And, and Tremaine has just been an awful signing for the Jets, um, and the position wasn't addressed by the previous GM. So uh, I'm going Browns 24-17. I am going to be at the game. Um, I haven't been to MetLife in about three years or so, so I'm looking forward to it. I like to go and see teams that I haven't seen yet, and I am a Baker fan, so that's why I chose this game this year, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and I, I you know, look forward to, to hearing how it goes for you, and, and happy birthday. I hope it's a good one, and um, you know, maybe we'll have this conversation later in the year at a wild card. That'd be fun. Absolutely. Appreciate your time, Jake. Um, let everybody know where they can follow you and everything. Um, and, and once we get, you know, the, the podcast will be releasing Thursday, like it always does, we'll get all the information out there. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm at Jake underscore Burns 18 on Twitter. And then uh, all of my stuff content wise is at the uh, Orange and Brown Report, which is uh, at the OBR on, on Twitter as well. And then I have Brown's Film Breakdown, which is my own podcast, which this way are on also um brown's film breakdown and that's on twitter at brown's film bdn for short so that's all my stuff i I really appreciate you having me and uh um you know i hope i hope we have a good game monday awesome thanks again jake appreciate it yep my pleasure thank you for listening to play like a jet presents prepare for takeoff with paulie brazes just want to remind you real quick that fantasy football season is here and this season there are more ways to win than ever because FanDuel's got more ways to win cash prizes and once-in-a-lifetime experience during every single game every week. I know what you're thinking, but I've never played with FanDuel before. That's actually good because new users get 20 bucks in site credit if they deposit 20 bucks in a FanDuel Daily Fantasy League, which, by the way, I like way better than a season-long league because it gets boring. You have the same players. Yeah, you can tinker with the roster here and there, but this way you get a brand-new team every single week, and injuries and underachievers don't screw up your entire season. Sign up now for FanDuel and get 20 bucks in total bonus. Just make your first deposit of 20 to get started. And you'll get an extra five bucks in site credit every week for four weeks. Go to fanduel.com slash DFS fantasy or download the FanDuel app. Don't forget about all the great programs that turn on the Jets digital, including TOJ Film Room with Joe Blewett. You can check that out on our YouTube channel, Turn on the Jets TV. The Turn on the Jets podcast with Joe Caparoso, Cool Your Jets with Michael Nania and Ben Blessington, and then all the great shows that you get every single day right here on the Play Like a Jet feed. Mondays, it's going to be the post-game report with Matt Stipulkowski of New Jersey, Advanced Media, and NJ.com. Tuesdays, you're going to get There's Always Next Year with Brian Bassett, Travis Milton, and Josh Conrad. Wednesdays, it'll be the midweek report with Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News. That's going to be a lot of fun. Thursdays, this show, prepare for takeoff as Paulie Brzez will get you ready for the upcoming matchup by interviewing somebody who covers the opposing team and picking their brain to get you all the relevant info that you need to be ready 
for that matchup on Sunday. Friday, the return of XNO Quick Hits with Joe Blewett, the host of TOJ Film Room, breaking down in short form the film from the previous week's matchup. I like to say it's sort of a Cliff Notes version of the film show that's on YouTube. You still want to watch the film show, but this is a good way to get a bite-sized version of what Joe does on that two to three hour film show where he breaks everything down in video form. Saturdays, we will have a full pregame report with the very big deal, Chris Nimbley, as well as weather with Ed Valley. And we'll look at the injury report with 35-year orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Steven Stoller. Then on Sunday, we'll get you ready for the game with a game day morning mailbag. We'll post that up probably around 5, 6 in the morning. So it's perfect to listen to while you're having your coffee in the morning, having a little breakfast before the game. Or if you're out tailgating in the parking lot, perfect for that too. You pop on the pregame on Saturday and then Sunday morning right before the game, you get yourself some game day mailbag questions. Thank you so much for listening to Prepare for Takeoff. Don't forget to follow Paulie on Twitter at Paulie underscore B-R-U-Z. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.